That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for another episode of everybody's favorite paranormal podcast, or at least mine. My name is Lance Phillip. Um, this is the Paranormal Pulse, and this week I'm flying alone, sort of. Um, Chris had a family commitment and won't be here this week, but I have a special guest um, who I'm shanghaiing to be co-host instead of just a guest. And her name is Jennifer Wood. You've heard us talk about her on the show before. She is a um, investigator, um, tarot reader, crystal healer, Reiki master, archangel crystal healing master. She creates her own um, crystal jewelry. And there's so much more about her. She's absolutely fascinating. She's a friend of ours. And without further ado, here's Jennifer Wood. Hey, Jen. Hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you were supposed to be a guest, and now you're a co-host. So <laughs> I don't but, mind. By the way, p- people who don't know Jen, I've known Jen for a few years now, and uh, we used to investigate on the same paranormal team. Now we're on different teams, um, but still good friends, and our teams are friends. And But if people don't know Jen, Jen has this giggling thing that she does. Good, bad, indifferent, she'll giggle. So don't think she's a loony. She's not. She's just a giggler. <laughs> well, no, I am, I am a loony, but that's okay. I giggle. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So we've had quite a few things happen this week in the paranormal. Um, the biggest one to me, the one that's affected me the most, is the passing of Harold Ramis. Harold famous for being Egon um, in Ghostbusters, which is near and dear to every paranormal investigator's heart. And we'll touch more on that later, but the guy was just brilliant beside going far beyond uh, Ghostbusters, and we'll talk about that later. Right now, though, I'm gonna we're going to go over it with Jen, and she's going to tell us a little bit about herself. So, Jen, where does it all begin with you for the paranormal? Oh, my goodness. Um, as a, a very young person, I was interested in, you know, any type of, subject matter that had to do with magic with a K, because um, even though I was raised Catholic, my mom was a practicing pagan. Not when I was a kid. Um, She had practiced before I was born, but she always was um, open-minded with us and taught us that even though we were being raised Catholic, that there were other things out there. And, um, you know, we were encouraged to, um, she was an astrologer, so we were around that kind of subject matter. So by the time I was 11 years old, I had stumbled upon her stash of books, and I started helping myself. I mean, I was reading about astral travel. I was, you know, reading her witchy books, and, you know, not really something an 11-year-old should be doing unsupervised, but um, I think I turned out okay. That's... And, um, you know, my my whole thing with the energy healing um, 
that came later on in life, but, you know, I, I, I started studying the tarot when I was 19, and um, within a year or two, I was a very proficient reader, and, um, you know, had done hundreds of readings for people, and uh, wasn't getting paid, but, you know, for years, I, I had done, I don't even know how many readings, and now I do that, you know, professionally, but um, it, it starts way back, you know, I was always interested in things like UFOs, and psychic ability, and you know, everything like that, so. And I think it needs to be said, because a lot of people out there don't know you the way I do, is that even though you work in the metaphysical side, you are very scientific-minded, which right. I think which I think separates you from a lot of the other um, metaphysical people that I know personally. You're, you, you know, you, you always look to debunk things first. Um, of course. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to call myself an investigator otherwise. Right. <laughs> you know. But what's great is that you've been able to balance the two, which is really something that I think is, is a talent, because a lot of people can't, you know. And, and I separate my personal beliefs from things that I can prove scientifically. So, you know, I, I'm a very much a believer, but I'm a skeptic right with the best of them, because I want to see how science can prove these things. Because I believe someday, you know, I believe we're all trying to explain the same puzzle, and at some point it's you know, it all becomes science, you know? Absolutely. So, you know. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think one of the greatest quotes, it was, um, I, I've said this before, and I think, it, I think it was Penn Jillette, and what he had said was, when magic can be proven scientifically, it'll no longer be magic, but it'll be science. Exactly. And it's, it's the, there's the Arthur C. Clarke, too, which, uh, the quote that I, it's one of my favorite quotes, and it's like, um, something about uh, things that we have yet explained are indistinguishable from magic, but, you know, it's like how eventually when, once it's explained, it's science, you know? Yep. It's the same thought. So. Yeah, absolutely. So now, what, did you have any personal experiences when you were younger? Um, not that I could remember as far as seeing spirits or anything like that, but I've always had... Um, dreams where they were sort of like prophetic or like I would know ahead of time because people would come to me in dreams and I mean living people I would have um a dream experience with them before things would happen in real life like things like that and um you know I would have um just like intuitive things but I wasn't like a ghost seer or anything like that that's my sister right 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 <laughs> You know, but um, there was uh, psychic ability in the family. And like I said, it wasn't something that was frowned upon. It was quite the opposite. Like, we all thought it was a cool thing, and it was something I grew up wanting to develop. Like, I knew I had what I had naturally, and I believe we all have something naturally. Right. And, you know, I grew up with, that's the whole reason I wanted to study tarot, because it was intriguing, and I saw it as a tool that I could use to help tune in with that ability, you know. And that's great. See, that's one of the things I had. I kind of had the same thing. Um, although my parents were were Catholic, um, and they weren't really big believers, but they they did um, get into some of the metaphysical stuff, um, especially especially you know um, doing seances and stuff like that. I didn't get involved into stuff like that until much later, but. You know, I, I've you know you've, you've heard me talk on the show before. I've had experiences where my grandfather had me at a very young age using a, a Ouija board and that sort of thing. So, 
you know, it's one of those where it, I think it's really great when you're exposed to things at a younger age. It leaves you more open. Oh, yeah, because then you're not taught to shut it off, and you're not taught to judge it as, you know, like as you get older, you're taught, oh, that can't be possible. You must be going nuts, you know? Mm. And, you know, that's one of the lessons that I teach as a, as a Reiki teacher. One of the first lessons is to turn off the judgment, turn off the ego. And most people, when they hear the ego word, they think inflated ego. But the ego is also the part that tells you, this can't be true. Like, don't trust your intuition, you know, things like that. Too. Right. So, you know, and, and when children have these abilities, like years ago, it was like, oh, you're just making things up, you know, but now I'm hoping at least that, you know, with more, especially with the mainstream things on television about psychic ability and, you know, it's not as stigmatized because let's not forget some religious uh, traditions are taught that that you're evil if you have these abilities. Right, absolutely. You know? And and it's not. Are you evil because you can hear or see? You know, it's a sense. It's a sense, just like everything else. No, I yeah, yeah I fully agree with that. Yeah. Now, you know, um, you do you do investigate if you want to tell mm -hmm. everybody what team you're with and a little bit about you know what you guys do. Sure, I've actually investigated with um, two teams. Uh, I've investigated with uh, NJGHS, New Jersey Ghost Hunters. I, I did um, one investigation with them at the Newton Firehouse a few years ago, and I've done investigations with New Jersey Paranormal Group, NJPG. Okay, and that's who you're currently with. Right, and I'm I am an active member of NJGHS also, and you know I am going to I'm scheduled to speak at their meetings and. You know, the the woman who runs their Hackettstown meetings is a close friend of mine. And, you know, so I'm I'm actively involved in both groups right now. Right. So. And, that, you know, and for people don't know, Jen does a lot of public speaking at, at uh, different events and at, and at the meetings. And the good thing about, um, you know, um, the NJ Paranormal Group is that their meetings are open to the public. And pe anybody can go down and sit in with their meetings and listen to the lectures and that whatnot, and it's all free. And those guys do a great job, so I recommend Thank it. You. Thank you. And um, we meet, um, just to let everybody know, we meet at the uh, Newton Library. Well, the address is in Newton. It's uh, 125 Morris Turnpike, but it's really, you know, for people who are local, it's like Branchville over there. It's the library. But... Um, we meet the uh, fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 o'clock every month. So if people were interested in checking us out, and we welcome everyone. It's free. And, and you guys do meet in other uh, counties as well. We were, we were meeting in Whippany, but we took that off the roster because we were all basically, it was um, mostly the people from, you know, our area where you and I are from. Going we down were there. Hauling, yeah, we were hauling butt for an hour just for us to all, you know, meet each other when we said we can just you know go somewhere local like if we wanted to stop at the cafe you know right, right. or, no, or I got somewhere you. local so you know <laughs> now people but know we you know we may eventually add you know another venue but for now we're just doing the uh right the county meeting and for people know me and jen used to investigate on the ecrypt team or with the ecrypt team um jen yeah. was more of the uh spiritual advisor so to speak with that team uh, well, not really. At that point, I was just kind of like trying to learn, you know, like I was very new at investigating at that point. So right. 
I wasn't even really doing the psychic thing with them. I mean, I was I was a practicing psychic at that point, but they weren't really utilizing me in that way. Right. I think I think the rest of our group kind of followed me around because they thought I was a magnet for it because they knew I meditated and did the energy stuff and you know. And I think that's kind of why NJPG likes having me on investigation. There you go. Too. Well, because I'm not the quietest person, so I have to be very careful not to contaminate evidence when I'm on investigations. But. Right. Right. <laughs> the giggle, but, you know. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You know, but we, we were on the same team. Um I was the one out in the field basically, you know. Um but you, you did you did advise us on when we had that poltergeist slash what was thought to be a demonic case, which just turned out to be a bad case of uh bad bad feng shui, so um, Yeah. You know. That, that... And a lot of the stuff that I find that I found anyway in my experience, like when people have negative energy going on, it's um it's 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 like a lot of residual and and not even necessarily residual from spirits of passed on people, but you know a residual of of people just um. This is why what a lot of what I do, I like to teach people how to be responsible for their personal energy field. Because, you know, we can't control others. We can't even, and this is one of the things I talk about with dealing with spirits and things like that. You know, who am I? You know, and I do house blessings and cleansings as part of my, what I do with the Reiki and everything and the Archangel stuff. But my thing is, who am I to even decide who gets to be here and who doesn't? If they have legitimate business here, that's not for me to decide, you know. Right, right. And um, I only perform clearings and stuff like that when requested to by homeowners and things like that. But I also, it's like, I explain it like you got to live environmentally, like even with spirit, mm-hmm. you know. It's, it's we have to learn to coexist and you know, a lot of the spirits that are around, the ones that are intimidating, yeah, they can be riffraff and everything else, but once you clean up your own energy, you usually don't have a problem anymore. Like once you um, claim your boundaries and you start working toward, you know, because one of the things I learned with the energy work, and this is something science is backing up when you look up institutes like HeartMath, H-E-A-R-T-M-A-T-H, they do studies on... um, global consciousness and things like that, the noetic sciences, and they talk about how love is the strongest vibration that science can measure. Right. And, you know, I don't mean to sound like a hippie when I talk about this stuff, but if you have any type of problem going on in your house, if you start replacing what's going on with loving energy and saying, you know, I'm not going to be a victim, that goes a long way. You know, I I can't say that I personally feel that I've ever encountered something that I consider a demon, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, my whole thing is that um, with my view, the universe, us, creator, creation is all one. So it's about living in harmony with ourselves and living in harmony with everything else. So, you know, it's, it's... I kind of shy away from even judging good and evil. I mean, I know there is. I'm not stupid. Right. But, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> like, let's hold. I was going to say, let's no, hold. Not to go off on a tangent. No, but... no, that's fine. Let's hold it there. We're going to take a little break. We're going mm-hmm. to play a song, and then we're going to come right mm-hmm. back. And, and when we come back, I want to talk to you about something that you know a ton about and I know little about, and that is Crystal Skulls. 
Awesome. My favorite subject. There you go. All right. <laughs> so we're going to play this out right now. We're going to play a song called If You Have Ghost by the band Ghost off the EP If You Have Ghost, which is their latest. It's a great song. I absolutely love this band. Um, so take a listen. We'll be right back. If you have ghosts, you have everything. If you have ghosts, you have everything. You can say anything you want, and you can do anything you want to do. If you have ghosts, you have everything. Okay, folks, we are back. He's right. Okay. So let us get back to what the important stuff here. 
Crystal Skulls. Now, I know you, you have an in, intense knowledge of Crystal Skulls. My, well, I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say intense. I don't well, claim to well, be an expert. Well, wait for <laughs> this way. Compared to what I know, which is basically um, what I've seen in Indiana Jones and a YouTube documentary, The Mysteries of the, of the 13 Crystal Skulls, um, <laughs> that's really all I know. So <laughs> you know much more. So, so tell us um, basically the background of the Crystal Skulls to start with. Okay. Um, from, from my perspective and what I understand, um, the Crystal Skulls, there are many legends surrounding them, um, all of which mostly stem from psychic research that was done in the past. Um, from what I learned through reading books and listening to lectures from other people that know, you know, studied about them and did the research on them, there's not really any indigenous, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, legends or lore about the 13 crystal skulls. That that came from people that were having psychic sessions with the skulls, and that information was based on what they were seeing when they were working psychically with the skulls. And um, there are some, in the Mayan culture, codices, you know, a codex that they found that have, crystal skulls mentioned in them and I believe depicted in them because I've seen pictures of this stuff online and you know I've read different things or that 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 I've come across about them so they can trace it back that the Mayans had you know that they were using the crystal skulls but basically it's one big mystery and enigma um, most of them that they can trace where they're coming from are coming out of like Mexico, Guatemala, and when I say them, I'm talking about the ones that people generally will say are ancient. And by ancient, I mean usually the people will say a thousand years old or older, carved a thousand years ago or older. Now, again, nobody can really prove when these were carved because with crystal there's no carbon in them, so they can't carbon date them. There's some studies that they could probably do now that are really expensive that they might be able to tell where the crystal was mined from, but that still doesn't prove where it was carved or how it was made. And when they have studied these skulls, which they haven't done very much study because a lot of the um, institutions that have the means to study them with the electron microscopy and things like that, they're, they're of the opinion that none of them are ancient that, you know, they'll say no comment on certain skulls, but they won't, you know, they, they won't speak and say, well, we can't, you know, they can't make any claims either, and they won't. So the, the research really isn't even being done anymore. And there are skulls that are coming out of areas like Mexico. You know, people have had these, you know, in their collections or, you know, in different ways. Most of the people that I've come to know that have the skulls have gotten them in very unusual ways. Like, you know, I'm not here to tell their stories. I, I'm known as the cheerleader for the crystal skulls. I'd like to call myself an enthusiast. You know, when people call me the cheerleader, I say, that's okay, I've been called worse. <laughs> but um, the people all have very unique stories on how they acquired these skulls and how they became the caretakers of the skulls and, and what it's done to change their lives. And, 
you know, I, I don't mean to sound like a cheerleader, but I really admire these people for who they are and the way they share their skulls with the public because they don't have to do that. Right. And, you know, they, they basically go out on the road and they're meeting the people. And, you know, people have all kinds of experiences around these skulls. And that's one of the things that got me into it was my own quest. I was on a quest for healing. I had heard about them and was always intrigued by them. And I had had a personal health crisis in 2008. I had had a kidney infection and, and experienced renal failure. And when I came out of that, I decided to get back into my meditative practice and that I wanted to heal myself. And I realized I can afford to buy modern carved crystal skulls on the Internet, you know, for a price I could afford. And I decided, you know, I had this belief system that I wasn't using, you know, because I had shut myself off psychically due to other things that happened to me, you know, some years before that. You know, I was still a tarot reader and everything else, but I wasn't practicing the healing stuff. But it was my own quest for healing that got me to acquire my first skulls. And then I started seeking out how can I meet these skulls that are thought to be ancient. And, you know, I wanted to experience them for myself because, you know, that's the whole thing with these. I almost hesitate to even talk about the things, the amazing things I've experienced because I don't want to influence somebody else's experience you know what i'm saying right but i could tell you like different things every time this is why i go to have sessions with them because it's always amazing the stuff that comes through and you know um the whole thing with the crystal skulls if they if they are ancient how did how were these made it's like it's like the pyramids you know people travel all their lives they want to go see the pyramids so do i you know but to me, it's like if these are really ancient artifacts of some technology that we lost, like to me, I want to see this. I want to touch it. I want to see what it's about for myself, you know. And I've had, you know, physical sensations when I've touched them. I get, uh, I've had experiences where I hear words in other languages and, you know, not modern languages like Babylonian. Right. <laughs> you know, and I don't know that it's Babylonian when I get the word. But then I look it up on Google, and I'll be damned. It's, it's, it's you know, it, it's a Babylonian word. And then to have it, you know, not to go into the story, but the word had personal significance. So, you know, it's, it's like a personal experience with the ghost hunting. You know, you just, you can't make this stuff up, and that's what keeps me coming back. But in general, the skulls were believed to be shaman's tools, tools for healing, um, you know, obviously they're crystals, so they, um, if you want to get into how we have, you know, the science part of it, cell phones, radios, that's crystal technology. So, you know, if the ancients knew that crystals held information and did all the pulsing of the electrical circuitry, you know, all that kind of stuff, they, they probably were using it maybe not in the same ways we use it, but they knew, I believe they knew about that, and they were using them as ancient computers. And a lot of the people that study the crystal skulls will tell you that as well, that they believe, you know, they were a form of uh, storage device of knowledge. And right, wisdom. and that's, and that, that, you know, people don't realize that all your electronic devices use uh, silicone quartz crystals within Absolutely. them, whether it's computers, cell phones, Televisions, basically anything electronic, uses uh, silicone quartz crystals. So, Absolutely. right. So, I mean, I, I've had I've heard that theory that you know that they that they um, were used as ancient computers 
so to speak. Um, now I know you you do a you go to um, what do you, I don't know what you would call them different meditative sessions with different skulls like some of the big famous ones when they come is that right correct? and I'm I'm also I, I I play a hand in trying to get the skulls to travel to this area because I've been very blessed I I went to a conference in 2010 in New York City the um it was one of the biggest major crystal skull conferences they had and I got to meet a lot of the people and you know, they were very, they were all very gracious to me. They always have been. And now I feel very blessed to be able to call some of them good friends. And um, when they look to travel to the area, because I work in different metaphysical shops and I attend, you know, I'm part of the community here in the different, you know, places that own businesses and things like that. I try to find places that are interested in hosting them. So that's why, you know, I try to work with the businesses and putting them in touch with the people. And, you know, like, because uh, for me, I want the skulls to come here so I could continue to have my experiences. You know? Right. <laughs> I mean, and, and I also believe that people can have profound experiences just from being around the skulls. And, you know, I've seen people, like, be reduced to tears and not even know why, just from the energy of these skulls. And, you know, it, it to me it's amazing. Like when we were at the Bodhi Tree recently with um, my friend Mario, uh, there was this six-year-old boy. If you would have heard the, the stuff coming out of this kid's mouth, and like I was making the jokes because this kid like had an understanding of the skulls the way somebody who was into them and studied them would have. And like there was, I don't care how much TV this kid watched, there's no way that like this stuff should have been coming out of his mouth and when he touched the skulls like from reading books and studying about how you're supposed to work with them this kid was placing his hands like it looked like he knew how to handle the skull you know what i'm saying right right so it was just like you couldn't explain it and you know um like i said just people having these really um to me the skulls have been a journey of self and a lot of people will tell you that like when they work with the skulls because Part of um, what I believe is, like, the skull represents not only wisdom, but it represents who we are underneath our flesh meat suit, if you want to call it that. Right. Like, there is no color of the skin when you look at a skull. There is no gender, you know. it's We're all the same underneath it all, and that's what survives when our body decays, you know. It, so some people associate them with death. I never had that. You know me. I'm a rock and roller. I was like, skulls, yeah, cool. You know, so... I was always like, uh, you know, some people when they see the skulls, they're like, oh, what's that about? And they don't understand it, and they might get afraid or, you know, think like it's something, again, nefarious or whatever because it's a skull. But to me... Well, and, you know, um, it, it, that's a question I do have to ask. You know, um, you, know you know me too. I've always been a, a, a metalhead, so to speak, and skulls have always had this attraction for me. Even in my office right now, I'm surrounded by various types of skulls but i don't have any crystal skulls but my question is when i was younger i did um really really buy into crystal healing now what separates a crystal of a skull shape as opposed to the normal crystals we would normally wear around our neck i mean is it is there something that the shape of the skull does differently you know shape of the well, crystal being in the skull 
there's a lot of theories on that, and it depends on who you ask. I have a personal theory. If you'd like to read about some of the theories with that, I recommend Yap Van Eaton's books. His name is spelled J-A-A-P-Z-A-N-E-T-T-E-N, and he talks a lot about um, what he feels is the difference between a, a skull-shaped crystal versus any other shaped crystal. My own personal thing, I think that um, with non-physical um, consciousness, if you know, you talk about ghosts or spirit consciousness, the soul, whatever you want to see it as, because I find that the shape of the skull, you know, I work with all kinds of crystals and, you know, I tune in with different things for different purposes with them. But for me, the skull is like tuning in that radio receiver so that it comes through loud and clear. Like it's, and I think that it has to do with the non-physical consciousness, recognizing the skull itself as a vessel for the electromagnetic energy that is the brain. And um, it helps, you know, this is now making me sound like a, the Lulu I said I was. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, and this goes back to stuff I got in meditation when I was 17 years old about how, um, you know, the heart is electromagnetic, the brain is electromagnetic, and, you know, which one really holds the consciousness. And, you know, there's all types of studies being done about that now. But to me, I think that the reason the skull shape helps us tune in and hear better, like when we're talking about whether we're trying to tune into our spirit guides or do psychic work, you know, connect with spirit energy, or, you know, like a lot of the people that work with the skulls feel that the skulls give them names that the skulls want to be called. Like I've experienced that where I'll hold a skull and I'll hear a name or something like that, you know. Right. Um, I think it has to do with, the non-physical consciousness recognizes the skull shape. You know, if you think that, that part of our consciousness resides in our brain and our brain resides in our skull, that that energy connects with that shape. Okay. That's my two cents. That makes sense. Absolutely. So, I mean, I can't prove that. You know, you're welcome to bring over your equipment and we can test it out. I've been trying to get people to test it out for me. <laughs> well, you know, that, I know we've talked about that before. And the, the one, when you, when you did the, uh, the one event, um, I unfortunately couldn't get there. I would love to yeah. do that. We set up all my scientific well, equipment. Well, I'm planning around. on recreating that event as many times as I can with as many people as want to show up. So, um, you know, my friend who has those skulls is open to doing that again. I just need to find the right time and place and yeah. you know get everybody together. So yeah, because as long as I know you know uh, long enough in advance, I can you know rearrange my schedule a bit. I would yeah. love to show up there. You know me. It'll be yeah you because know. I would love to see. You know, we really didn't have. Um, that wide wide of a range of equipment there and um the one piece of equipment i really wanted to work for that day wasn't operational and you know we did pick up some interesting stuff you know but i'd like to see you know of course the people that recorded with the voice recorders and everything still haven't even gone through everything so you know we may have some really good stuff and we don't even know it so right. you know but yeah and see that's the one thing like what you know with with what you do with the crystal skulls and and you know the reiki and whatnot it all ties together although not necessarily directly with uh paranormal investigating but it really it really can all tie together because it's all about that conscious energy you know exactly you know so yeah you know (laughs) somebody um you know i was watching a video yesterday on on reiki trying to get a little bit of a, a knowledge before we went into this and i i had you watch the video as well when i sent you that message but mm-hmm. 
And it was a good video. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and what was cool is he kind of explained it as the force in Star Wars. It's that living mm-hmm. energy that's all around us. And it kind of it, it really does kind of make sense. And you can also see how Lucas did steal from a lot of the metaphysical ideas, you know. I don't so. feel like he stole. I feel like he helped build modern mythology because right. the mythology needs to change with every generation. And that's part of what the really talented people do is, um, you know, work with what's there in society and what society is willing to accept. Because a lot of times when you have ideas that are sort of challenging to what's out there, you know, when it comes to spirituality and religion, you have to be careful not to offend people with um, different things. And, you know, like with something like a vehicle like fiction with Lucas, you know, he can work with things like that. And, and it's like, you know, if you, if you listen to Joseph Campbell, you know, the power of myth and all that stuff, you know, it, it's, it's really the same story being told over and over. And that's what all the good stories really are. Right, right. You know, and, you know, it's, it's, and it does try, they're all trying to, they're, what they're trying to do is preserve the knowledge of all these esoteric subjects and the knowledge of how it all works with the energy and, you know, I, 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 that's why I love all this stuff, you know, and I, I try to like expose myself to as much as I can because everybody has a piece to the puzzle and, you know, in finding that kernel of truth that runs through everything, you, you get close to just, you know, it's like a sense of peace to me, like where I feel peace from right. understanding the way it works, you know? Cool. All right. So we're going to take another little break um, and then we'll come back and we're going to get into some of the Reiki. So everybody just hang tight. I'm going to play a song now, which for some reason, when Jen, you can hear it, when, when you first started talking before, this song just started up, and I actually didn't hit a button, damn button, so I don't know how that happened, and I scrambled to stop it right away. So <laughs> when you listen back, you'll hear what happened. But um, this song is a song called Believe It by the band Sasquatch, off the album Sasquatch. Um, this album came out, came out in, I think, 2004. It's a really great album. It's a cool uh, band with a real high and heavy rock sound. So everybody take a listen, and we'll be back in about three minutes.
right, folks, we are back, and I hope you guys like that band. It's a band a lot of you don't know. It's called they're called Sasquatch, and that song was "Believe It" off the album Sasquatch. Okay, Jen, so we're back. You still there? Yes, and I did remember because we were just talking about um, doing another Crystal Skull event. I'm actually doing at the NJGHS meeting on October 21st. It's a Tuesday evening. Um, a presentation about the crystal skulls, and we will be inviting people with equipment to come, and um, we're going to be doing, like, psychic exercises, like scrying and psychometry and stuff like that, and people can monitor that with their equipment if they like. I did remember we're doing that. So I do have that scheduled, and that will be free and open to the public. Oh, excellent. So, and I will definitely keep you posted if anything pops up closer to home, because that's in Hackettstown. Right, at, right. Um, 292 Main Street, which is actually on Route 46. So now, Reiki. Something, uh, another subject I don't know much about. I'm just starting to learn about it. Um, I have heard some interesting things over the years. I've heard that uh, paranormal investigators who have done Reiki seem to be much more open and attuned to what's going on around them and, and seem to get more evidence. Don't know if it's true or not, or if that's just a claim, but kind of fill us in on what Reiki is and how it would help an investigator. Okay. Well, Reiki is a form of energy healing at its basic, you know, definition, bare bones. It was a modality that was quote unquote rediscovered because we say rediscovered because we believe it is much more ancient. But um, give or take 100 years ago, there was a Japanese Christian man who was um, a teacher in a seminary, and one of his students had asked the question, how did Jesus perform the healing miracles in the Bible with what he did? And this man did not have the answers, so he went into meditation. For The story goes 21 days up on a mountain. And, um, you know, for most of the time, nothing came through. But the last day he was up there, he received psychic information that he channeled, and he saw these sacred symbols and, you know, the hand positions and the whole modality is what he brought through and what we know of as Reiki today. And the way it's taught, usually traditionally, is from master teacher to student, and there's a process of spiritual attunements that happen um, with each level that you learn. And... The attunements bring through, um, depending on who you ask and which teacher, because everybody, you know, it's it's a giant game of telephone for over 100 years, and as well as being a sacred tradition, so you could imagine. But um, basically, it opens you up as a channel for energy. So that's where it could totally help people that want to get into using their psychic ability on investigations. And, you know, I didn't get into it to develop my psychic ability, but what happened was amazing. You know, any type of meditative practice that you get into is going to help open you up and balance you and ground you and center you so that you can be more in tune psychically. But with Reiki, um, it, it teaches you how to protect your energy and also work on your energy. It's, you know, one of the first things you're taught in Reiki before you even work on anybody else is to work on yourself and to make it a daily practice or an almost daily practice, you know. And not everybody, I'm sure, approaches it that way, but most of the people that I know that get into it, it becomes a lifestyle for them, you know. And um, 
people get into it for all different reasons. You know, some people want to be where they um, are a massage therapist and they want to incorporate the energy work with what they're doing with the body work. You know, some people like me, I had a health crisis. I was looking to heal myself, and I figured, why should I keep paying somebody to work on me? I'd rather learn it myself. You know, I'm a bargain hunter, I'll be honest. I figured, why should I keep throwing money at a person? I'll learn how to do it, and I'll work on myself, you know. And um, when I got into it, I didn't know I was even going to work on others. But now, you know, people ask me all the time. And my, my practice mostly now is distance. You know, this can also be done long distance. You don't even need to be with the person, you know, to, to have this happen. Because we all know it's a quantum universe. We're all entangled. And it's non-local, you know. So, um, you know, it, it opens up a whole range of things. But basically why I feel it would help you know, with investigations, is because it makes you a channel. It teaches you how to channel energy. So if you want to talk about talking to spirits, you know, uh, you're, you're, um, you're tapping into that part of the universe where all knowledge resides. What the word Reiki means, it means Rei, you know, it's a Japanese word. Rei means universally, divinely intelligent energy. And, well, the key is, means energy. Like, key is like chi or prana or... Um, Kundalini, there's many names for the energy, the force, you know, right. all of these names. So um, basically, but the, the ray part of it, it's not only um, universal energy, but it's divinely intelligent. So if you can tap into that divinely intelligent knowledge, that just releases all limitations. And, you know, um, it depends on who you ask. You know, some people... They, they downplay the spiritual side of it. And, you know, like I found that video we watched last night, he really didn't get into a lot of what goes on with the channeling as far as the spirit guide energy that comes through and, you know, the attunement processes. Because the attunements um, open you up in a way that um, it, it's one of those experiential things. It does different things to different people, but it's, it's kind of like giving you a boost and a fast track. You know what I'm saying? Right. So in addition to whatever energy you're going to put into it, like it gives you a jump start, if you can understand what the analogy I'm trying to make. No, because I gotcha. it opens up mm-hmm. It opens up your channel in a way that wouldn't normally happen without you. You know, I believe that people can, if they had the genuine desire, maybe to tap into it without an attunement, but the attunement, boom, does it like that. You know? Now, what about, what about the people out there who claim that there is a danger to doing Reiki? Well, I say they weren't taught properly. Okay. Because part of what it is is that when you are in that space and you are plugged in and you are a conduit, it does nothing but benefit you as well. And that's why I do it as much as I can. Right. As many requests as I can get. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen me, you know, publicly on Facebook with people requesting healing and stuff like that. I welcome any request I get because at my nearest convenience, I sit down and I practice Reiki. And every time I practice on somebody else, I include everybody who's always, you know, asked me and been in my intentions, and I work on myself. And just by having that good energy running through my body, how could I not benefit? Right. Right. You know, and, and you also have to keep in mind, belief is a powerful thing. We know this from quantum physics. So you need to be careful what you're choosing to believe when you get into any of this stuff. And if you're going to ascribe or prescribe to a belief that is negative to you, then why bother doing it? Right. Just don't, don't get involved. 
Well, and, and you know, and, and from the brief, uh, you know, studying I've done of it in the last day, um, you know, but basically everything I, I'm listening to and, and hearing them speak about is it's not, there's, there's zero negativity involved in it. It's all positive energy. Because if you're taught correctly, you're taught to get rid of the ego and you leave it in the divinely intelligent harmonic universe's hands. Right, absolutely. In the hands of the all that is, of source, of God, for lack of a better term. I don't like using the term God because people have all kinds of definitions they attach to the word. Right. To me, it's more of an energy. Mm -hmm. it's, now, a, it's a creative force or, you know. And one of the things, I, one of the things that they, in one of the uh, videos I was watching on it, the woman was kind of explaining what Reiki is. And one of the things she had talked about how was, it's very instinctual um, right. that you start it w when you're a child and don't even realize it. You, she was you know, basically saying, you get a headache. What's the first thing you do? You put your hands on your head. Right. Transferring your energy, basically. You and know, part of what it is is you learn a protocol, like you learn hand positions. You learn um, symbols. You learn a way to perform it. But in the end, or, or all the best teachers that I've come across teach you to trust your inner voice. And... You know, just as many, I believe, people as there are alive, there are that many different ways to do Reiki as well. Right. And, and, and you know, it, it's not only Reiki either, but there's many other energy healing modalities where it's just working with the same. It's, it's like 25 people being in the room trying to describe the same elephant, but they all see a different part of it. Right. You know, mm -hmm. it's all different names for doing the same thing. You right. Know? Absolutely. And, you know, again, getting back to what I was watching, she had talked about, too, you know, think about this, when... When you, you're near a child, child falls, hits their knee, they come over to you. What do they do? They hand you their, you know, they reach out with their knee. What's the first thing you do? You put your hands on it, you rub the knee, yep. you know, all of a sudden the kid feels better. Is it, yep. is it a psychological thing or is, or is it you transferring your energy that made the child feel better? You know, better. I believe it's not even your energy. It's the unconditional love energy. Right. Okay. Because it, I, I, and especially with what I've learned with my training and what I teach when I teach people, you don't use your energy. You use the, the God force, the life force. You, you know, it's not about your own energy. You're simply, the way I like to describe it in a modern analogy is like you have the person who wants the healing. They're the cell phone. And you have the universal, universe, endless font of limitless, wonderful energy, which is like the, the wall outlet, and I'm just the phone charger cord. Right, okay. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I also have been trained to focus intent and to keep myself centered and balanced and to not be in judgment. You know, these are all lessons that go along. This is what you learn in the classes. And, you know, but also what starts to happen when you become this conduit and you become this channel, you open up different psychic intuition because um, the universe starts to speak to you with what you need to... Um, like if there's a message that the person who's receiving the Reiki needs to hear or something like that, you know, I've encountered where I'll see visions and I'll mention to the person, you know, what I'm seeing and they'll say, oh, well, that's my favorite flower or, you know, and it makes about, I think, you know, because I question myself, why do I see what I see? Why does it seem to me nothing? Why am I supposed to say this to the person? And to me, I think it helps, um, make the connection with the person who's receiving it so they believe something's happening. Right. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, 
But I know, I trust that something's always happening when I do it. And I always hand it over. I have no attachment to the outcome. If, even if I don't see a result, you know, say I'm working on somebody that has a headache and they're like, well, I still have my headache. I don't throw in the towel and say, oh, none of it works. I just trust that it worked on whatever level it was meant to work on. And, you know, usually it, good things happen. You know, I don't like to make physical claims on what it does, but I have had people tell me they've encountered pain relief or they've slept better, you know, general things. Um, I've used it on myself for pain relief because ever since I had the health crisis in 2008 with the kidney function and everything else that goes on, I haven't been able to use pain meds. And I went through frozen shoulder with uh, tendonitis in both shoulders. And, you know, I used to rake myself to sleep every night because I, I had severe, you know, pain in my shoulders and I couldn't right. move. So, I mean, if people use it for all kinds of, you know, different things. And you'll hear the miracle stories, or you'll get some people, well, I didn't feel nothing, but then they'll be, like, in a better mood, you know? Right, right. And and it's, it's another one of those things where I almost hesitate to make claims. Like, when somebody says, well, what's it like? I'm going to say, well, it's individual. You know, you might feel this, you might feel that, you might feel nothing. But, you know, it's, um, you know, usually people do feel something. And, you know, I let them tell me what it is because it's more interesting that way. Excellent. Now we're going to take, this is going to be the last little break we take. It's only going to be about 45 seconds or so, and we're going to come right back. And then what we're going to do when we come back is we're going to switch gears a bit, and we're going to talk about um, Harold Ramis, someone we lost um, this week, and um, basically just kind of want to touch on what he meant to me and, and the rest of the world, basically. So just hang tight. We're going to take a little intermission. And we'll be back, like I said, about 45 seconds. Welcome to Intermission. Okay, we're back after that short little intermission. Hope everybody liked that. Um, so, this week we lost Harold Ramis, who was Egon from Ghostbusters, which is how he's m most well-known. But I don't think people, some people realize what he was responsible for. He was one of the greatest comedic writers um, directors and actors of all time think about some of the things he did starting with his first big break which was at, he wrote Animal House Animal House we all know is one of the funniest movies of all time he also wrote and starred in Stripes another hilariously funny funny movie he um, wrote Caddyshack he wrote Ghostbusters also starred in Ghostbusters. He directed Groundhog Day, directed Vacation, wrote Ghostbusters 2, created the characters for the cartoon Real Ghostbusters, um, 
besides that, he directed. Um, well, let's not even go there. Besides that, he, he yeah, I should say he wrote um, "Back to School" with Rodney Dangerfield. Just the the body of work right there alone would put him in any type of comedic hall of fame. But to me, it was his kind of deadpan delivery on certain things that just really made me laugh. In Stripes, when him and uh, Bill Murray first go to the Army recruiter, and you know the Army recruiter says, I have to ask you these questions, and he asks them if they were gay. Bill Murray gives his response, and then um, Harold Ramis' character turns around and says, no, we're not, but we're willing to learn. One of the funniest lines I've ever heard... Um, you know, I, I just, the guy's hysterical. And just to give you, I'm going to play a couple of lines from Ghostbusters that were my favorite. Um, you know, here's one of them, which I thought was delivered brilliantly. And hopefully it comes through. What? Don't cross the streams. Why? It would be bad. I'm fuzzy on the whole good, bad thing. What do you mean, bad? Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total protonic reversal. Right, that's bad. Okay. All right, important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. Just one of, one of the great lines I thought, you know, um, one, this is, to me, the, one of the funniest lines in any movie. Do you have any hobbies? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Again, just a dry delivery, hysterical line, you know. But let's talk about what, you know, what Harold Ramis meant to the paranormal community. Because as far as, you know, paranormal investigators, we all owe a bit of gratitude to um, to Ghostbusters. It is, you know, by far the movie that really, in a lot of cases started people on their path to paranormal investigating. Granted, it was a comedy, but a lot of what we do is in that movie. You know, obviously taken to a different level, you know. Um, but I was really saddened, you know. I don't know. Jen, when did, did you, when did you first hear about it? I saw it in the movies. I love Ghostbusters. I still sing the song because of what I do with clearing the houses, so. Right. <laughs> I am who they're going to call. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But when did, when did you, like the other day, when it, did you hear it when it first broke? And, and what was your initial reaction? I just, you know, it's a sadness. It's, it's somebody that, you know, they were, they, he's a very talented actor. And, you know, it's just, he, he's, uh, anybody that can make people laugh like he did, uh, that's a true talent. You know, laughter is, is a powerful thing and we should all have more of it in our lives and, you know, he was he was great to to write that kind of stuff. Nobody's really writing that kind of stuff anymore. Well, and, and you know, and the funny thing is, is you know, he's he's credited with writing the movie with Dan Aykroyd, but essentially how it went from everything I've read is that Aykroyd showed up with like a six hundred page script, which was off the wall. You know, because anybody you know anybody knows a little bit of the history of uh, Dan Aykroyd and his dad, and actually his whole family. They've always been deeply rooted into the paranormal. In fact, his, you know, his dad wrote the history of ghosts, that book, and whatnot. Um, but Dan Aykroyd brought this book, this script, to uh, Harold Ramis, and Ramis read it and said, you know, and to the point where the movie started on Earth, it wound up in a different dimension, different planet, and the final battle was fought somewhere else. 
And no, it was perfect the way it was. Well, I yeah, because what Ramis did was he took all of Dan Aykroyd's crazy writings and basically said to him, all right, now we're going to make this into a real movie. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, that alone, just to, uh, you know, take the ramblings of, uh, of uh, Dan Aykroyd, who, you know, and Dan Aykroyd's very high energy, and where, from what everything I've read, Ramis was much more laid back. And I would like to clear up a bit of a clarification, a bit of a thing I've seen on the internet. I've seen people on the internet this week get very mad at Dan, uh, Bill Murray, saying it's your fault we don't have a Ghostbusters 3. Um, to an extent, that's partially true. Uh, from everything I've read, he was for the longest time rejecting scripts. But as anybody knows, you know, I got to meet Ernie Hudson and pictures are all over my Facebook. I asked Ernie Hudson, I said, what's really holding up the movie? I was like, is it Bill Murray? And he said, he said, yes and no. He said, um, he said, it's not that Bill Murray's holding it up. He goes, it's the fact that there's, there hasn't been a good script written that's holding it up. He goes because Bill's not going to do a movie that's going to be crap. He said in yeah. plain English. He said so. Well, it's, could it's... you blame him? You know, I mean, come on. Oh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, um, you know. With that being said, it looks like they are going to move ahead with the Ghostbusters three, uh, even though Howard Ramis passed away. And it looks like, from what they're hinting at, it's going to be a younger group of uh, Ghostbusters. And even it was even. I think suggested it at by Bill Murray in the movies that, you know, the Ghostbusters would become a franchise. So who knows how they're going to work it. That would be a really interesting angle. I yeah. think, I think it can be done if it's done tastefully, if it's done carefully and respectfully, you know, yeah. if it turns into a Caddyshack two situation, don't bother. But yeah. if you can do it and I, my, my example that I used this week was the, the band, the traveling Willowberries, when Roy Orbison died right after they made the um, first album, they came out with a second album. And if anybody remembers the video, there's a very subtle thing when they were playing their instruments. It, there was a rocking chair and it had Roy Orbison's picture in there as a tribute to him. And it was done so tastefully and, and, and really done well. And, you know, if they do something like that, you know, I think it would, I think it would work fine. You know, and that's just yeah, my opinion. Yeah, because then they'd pay homage and, you know, it would be respectful. And... Right. And and they just, you know, and the thing is, too, they they can't try to cleanse this movie and make it, you know, one thing about Ghostbusters, it's gritty. They, you know, they smoke in the movie. They, you know, they, they curse. And we can't have a, a you know, a um, cleaned up sort of, you know, politically correct movie either. I think that would be wrong. Yeah. And they tried to do that in the Ghostbusters uh, cartoon when they came out with Extreme Ghostbusters. The Extreme Ghostbusters cartoon, which followed the real Ghostbusters cartoon, was launched in the 90s. And as soon as you see it, you realize it's a Benetton ad. It's not, you know, they tried yeah. to have everybody represented and it was just it was just terrible, honestly. Um so I don't know. Well, which... It's like it's like the first album syndrome for any band. The first album's always the best because they've been working all their lives on those songs, and then they're successful. And then the second album is always not doesn't have that gritty raw, you know. Right. Same thing with the the movie, you know. Mm -hmm. It's it's all the good stuff, and then they just try to pump out another one, and they lose something in the translation. Absolutely. So hopefully they do something well with it, you know. And I was like I said, I was really saddened uh, when I heard the news because. Ghostbusters is probably in my top five movies of all time, you know. Wow. 
Um, it, and it means a lot to me. I, I constantly watch that movie. I probably watch it a couple of times every month. You know, I could probably, wow. re, you know, recite every line. So I was, it was really kind of, <laughs> you know, I changed my Facebook uh, picture this week, which which if anybody looks, I never changed my Facebook uh, picture. Yeah, I love that picture, too. It's so cute, though. Yeah. So I'm going to leave it up probably through the weekend and, you know, take it down. And, um, you know, but that's that's really it's one of the only times where a celebrity passing has really affected me because I really, you know, for the most part, don't care about celebrities. Yeah, I never comment usually on any of right. that because I'm just like, you know what, people die every day. And not that I'm a cynic or, you know, but like how many people that, you know, I don't know. It's uh, I'm very I'm not the best person like to, to have around because I'm very accepting of death because I think it's really, you know, it's like, OK, now we're done here. We can find out what really happened. Right, right. <laughs> we get to shed the meat suit. There you go. Well, my husband likes to say it's um we're here like wearing Halloween costumes at a party, and when we're done, we give up the costumes. So, right, you know, fair we have enough. A sense of humor. <laughs> and I think we'll wrap up there. We've been going for a while, and, and Jen, I appreciate you joining us this week. Thank you for having me, and um, I, I feel like I barely scratched the surface on anything, you know. Well, you know, that's the but, thing. I mean, we could go literally for hours and hours upon hours on these subjects. I'm a, I'm a talker, so, you know, mm-hmm. that's what I love. So <laughs> Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to announce quickly a, a little contest, which um, for people who have been listening to the whole show, you'll be rewarded if you can figure out the puzzle. And I'm going to play a final song. And all three songs have a connection. All I want anybody to do is email, uh, send us a message on Facebook. The first person who can figure out what the connection is between all three songs, okay, um, and get it correct will win a prize. I don't know what the prize is quite yet, but I guarantee it will be a good one. Um, so what you have to do is listen to this final song, figure out what all three songs have in common, and let us know on Facebook. Whoever gets that answer to me first wins a prize. So this song, by the way, is off the, is by UFO, off the best of UFO, 1974 to 80, 1983. It's a song called Lights Out. Um, UFO is a great, great early heavy metal band. If anybody's never listened to them, they're really fantastic. Um, very underrated band, too. They don't get the credit they should. Uh, unless you listen to that metal show, Eddie Trunk talks about him all the time. Yeah, he loves them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, without further ado, I'm going to play Lights Out.
Okay, folks, we are back for the last time. And this is the time of the show where we get to plug what we have going on. So, Jen, want to tell us about what, a little bit about what you have going on? Um, well, um, the big thing that I'm looking forward to is on May 31st, the uh, Para-Unity Expo at the Art Factory in Patterson. It's being uh, organized by NJP, New Jersey Paranormal, not NJPG, which is the, is the group I mentioned earlier. But um, And uh, it sounds like it's going to be a really, really cool event. They're, they're going to have speakers. They're going to have psychics. They're going to have vendors. I'm going to be vending the jewelry. Um, I believe you're going to have a table there, right, with yep. your groups? We are gonna, and, um, yep, we are going to be there. Um, I still have to talk to John because I think we're going to do a, a broadcast from there. I just have to get the okay on that, but I think, from what I understand, that's that was the way we were last going with it. Um, so that should be interesting because we're going to reach out and hopefully grab a bunch of guests. And uh, there will be some Paris celebrities there: uh, Brian Kano, uh, Dave Giuliano, just to name a few. Um, there are some others that I'm just losing track of at the moment. But it's going to be it's going to be a fun event. Um, you know. Also, too, what's your website? For... Um, it's just uh, Facebook.com, Crystal Cocktails by Jennifer Wood. Is, um, that's, I don't have a .com right, right. now. I'm, right. I'm on Facebook. And if anybody wants to send me a friend request, feel free. Um, and, uh, you know, or if you want to send me a private message or whatever, that's fine. Um, I also have coming up in April, the third Tuesday of the month, I'll be at the Hackettstown NJGHS meeting talking about crystals and, um, you know, how I use them metaphysically and how you can use them for different purposes, like whether you want to protect your energy or open your energy, you know, in different ways. Um, so I'll be doing that. I also have an event coming up in June at Circle of Trees in Milford, PA, where I'll be offering services, readings, and uh, the jewelry and stuff. And you could find me every uh, second Friday of the month at Trinity Metaphysical, locally. But um, I'm around. I'm around. I work up at Crystal Connection in Wurtsboro, New York. I work different places. So, And um, if you friend me on Facebook, I'll tell you all kinds of cool stuff, drum circles. You know, I'm a big... Um, I like to promote the events that I like to do for my enjoyment so that they'll continue to host them and have them. You know, that's my ulterior motive. That's my uh, fun. So, um, you know, check out all the local places that support things. You know, I'm going to be teaching a, a jewelry-making class at the Bodhi Tree coming up. That's not on the schedule yet, but I talked to Brian, you know, this week. So I'm around if people are looking for me and they're looking for, you know, if they got questions on anything we've talked about or anything else, I'll be happy to, you know, I'm a friendly sort, so there you go. flag me down. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and the last thing, we will be, our EKG team will be attending the Phenomenon, uh, formerly Phenomenology, in Gettysburg from April 10th to 13th. We will be there. Um, we're, you know, whether we're going to be there as guests, you know, not guests, I should, we're not, we're not appearing there, we're just uh, attending it, you know. Uh, it's a great time, so if you guys are going there, you know, if you see us, we'll have our logos on our shirts. Just stop by and say hello, and, you know, don't be shy. I got to so. get to Gettysburg one of these days. I had never been, so. Oh, it's a fascinating place. <laughs> but on that note, we are going really long, so we're going to yeah. sign off. And, all right, folks, you have a good night. And, again, thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.